Side to row to center. Lundig shoots. He scores! Johnny Lundig does it again! Jarvis in close shot. There's a goal! Seth Jarvis, the 17-year-old. Short side, glove side, high, just under the crossbar. Cutting to the front of the net, and they score. Reese Newkirk along the right wing just took the pass. That was phenomenal patience from Seth Jarvis and the winner. Hey, this is Reese Newkirk, and you're listening to the Pucklandia podcast. Welcome into Pucklandia. Uh, pleased to be joined by Craig Boschman, uh, WHL broadcaster for Hire. Uh, coming off of uh, you know a unique assignment of of uh, covering the, the the Winter Hawks on the road trip, which why I thought it'd be fun to to have you in to to chat on on what this Portland team looks like, as you've seen more of them lately than than anybody here in in, in Portland has. I mean. Uh, where, where, where do you want to start with that, Craig? Your uh, your, your background uh, with with the Broncos and before that, or this Portland this Portland swing? Where, where do you want to go? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to do a little background, I can I can do that if uh, if you think that's a good place to, to kind of start off. Yeah, it's, it, I, I do I do kind of like to to get to know the guests a little bit and you know find out where they where you come from, what makes you tick, that kind of thing, and and uh, get get to know. Get to know Craig a little bit, and then we'll before we start talking about you know X's and O's. Born and raised in Whitehorse, Yukon. Uh, lived there until I was just about nineteen years old. I went to college in Belleville, Ontario, at Loyalist College. I took a radio broadcasting program, and then a postgraduate sports journalism uh, course. And I started my first play-by-play job was in North Battleford, Saskatchewan. I worked at the radio station there and was calling games for the Battleford's North Stars in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, and did one season there, then I went to Powell River in the British Columbia Hockey League, did one season there, two years in Penticton with the V's, and then I got hired in uh, Swift Current, and I was there for four seasons. Yeah, the kind of a typical story of, of trying to work your way up, you know, from, from junior A, and, and uh, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of guys go through that same same career path. I mean, it's, it's, you know, from the outside, it seems like a, a, a lot of work to have to, you know, travel around and, and re- relocate frequently to, to these different places just to try to, to follow your line of work. But I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the nature of, of the beast when there's only, you know, it's musical chairs and there's only so many spots, right? Well, and that's just it. I remember in college, uh, our professors really kind of harped on us that, you can't be too picky with, you know, where you go, especially at the beginning. Um, if you want to get into, you know, the broadcasting business, whether it's on the TV side or the radio side, you kind of just have to go where the work is, um, especially for your first few jobs where you try and, like you said, establish yourself and kind of work your way up the ladder, if you want to put it that way. Um, so I got the job in North Battleford. I actually started working at the newspaper there first because uh, a friend of mine from college, Brett Smith, who was working for the Prince Albert Raiders for a couple of seasons, he was uh, the sports reporter of the newspaper there. And then he got a job up in Prince Albert and he said, if you want my old job, I can tell my boss essentially to just hire you. So I did that and then I met the broadcaster there who was there at the time. His name was Mike Feeney. And I told him that I wanted to do play-by-play eventually and he said well it's a good thing you're here then because I'm gonna leave after this season and he did 
he told his bosses to hire me and I got that job. So, you know, it turned out a bit lucky that way with going to the right spot at the right time and uh, set me off on this path to where I've gotten to now. Yeah, it seems like, you know, whatever, you know, part of hockey we're talking about on these kind of shows, it's, it's you know, meeting people and cultivating relationships and, you know, trying to, you know, treat people the right way and it'll come back around to you. And, and, and a lot of it's just getting lucky with the right opportunity at the right time. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'm I'm a big believer in, in putting yourself out there and, and making sure that you're doing what you can to to help yourself. Um, you know, I I send out updated uh, you know demo clips to to a bunch of guys probably once a year or so. I'll reach out to them and send them an email and say, hey, you know, nice to nice to talk to you again. Can you give a listen to this eight minute clip or whatever and let me know what you think? And it just kind of builds that relationship with some guys who are you know in the American League or in the NHL. So uh, they're all really receptive to to guys reaching out to them and and sort of learning from them so i've I've made a really really made a point to do that and and make sure that i'm i'm doing what i can to put myself out there and sort of help yourself in in that regard to to build those relationships because you never know when it might come back around and uh, somebody down the line might help you out in a big way yeah well you know a long time uh, whl and filtered listeners know that that's you know one of the main purposes of this show is to try to try to get you know whl broadcasters some uh some some exposure and and, and hopefully some some work and <laughs> when you're when you're in between gigs and that's kind of that's kind of what we've done with uh with my co-hosts over there but and this will be you know be in the same feed so there'll be a certain amount of crossover there and i don't know what to what to you know extent we've been successful with it but i guess you know jeff hollock is you know working games in, in calgary with uh with curly so that so there's something right so that's that's a uh, a good thing, but that's kind of where you went. We ended up, you know, with you uh, getting the, to work some some Winterhawks games, and you know, kind of what what's your you know broad brush you know experience with uh, with, with with that club here in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it was fun. Um, you know, I can't thank uh, Nick Merrick enough for for reaching out to me, and it goes all the way back to the summer. He originally reached out and asked if if I'd be interested in doing that, and. Um, you know, it was kind of funny. He, he originally only asked me if I could do the last two games on that trip in Kamloops and Vancouver. And, you know, I kind of looked at it and said, you know, if, if you want more time at home, like I can do more games on that swing, even the whole trip, if you want to. So he, he looked into it and talked to his, uh, his bosses and, you know, we came to the agreement to do the last five games of that trip. So it worked out really well. And, uh, you know, getting a chance to kind of get back in the saddle and do some games and meet some people with, with the Winterhawks, you know, a guy like Peter Dewar, who I hung out with the whole time pretty much uh, on that trip, the media, you know, media guy there and, uh, you know, meeting the coaches and, and some of the players and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, just an opportunity to kind of hang out with a, with a new team for a bit and, and, and meet some new faces. So uh, certainly really enjoyed it and uh, can't thank not only Nick, but the whole, whole organization enough for allowing me to jump in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, this isn't a, a, a company bo- podcast. I don't have any direct relationship with uh, with with the Winterhawks, even though that's the, the the subject, you know, of of this show. But you know, it's it is pretty cool that they that they you know set Nick up for for that to get him a little more time at home with the newborn, and that's you know pretty special. I mean, in 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 uh, in, in this country, we don't get near the uh, the maternity paternity time that. Uh, that a lot of places get, you know, that you guys have, you know, in Canada. And so it's, it's pretty cool for the, the Winterhawks to, to make that, you know, available to him to have more time with the family. And then obviously then that made it an opportunity for you to get to call some games. So, I mean, every, everybody's winning at, at that point, which is, you know, pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. I mean, you know, I, I, I can only imagine how hard it must be for him to, 
have to be away from home with with the newborn like you said and you know i know it was killing him even just being gone for the, the four or five days he was gone there he was sending me some photos of uh of miles and, and saying how much he wishes he could be back home so uh was more than happy to to help out and uh fill in for him help out a friend and, and help out the team at the same time um you know it's it's tough in a, in a position like like being a sports broadcaster where you have to be on the road sometimes being away from family and you know to especially mix a newborn child in there makes it even more difficult so i uh, was really glad to help out and then really happy that i could help him out and allow him to have some more time at home as well yeah yeah and i know that you can relate to 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 being away from family for for work reasons and that's uh you know it, it, we're, we're all fighting our own battles but i i, I know you you have a you can relate to his position there too but so this um so you picked up the with with this team and 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 i know it wasn't your first game but i mean it was uh you know i i i gotta listen to uh your call in the against swift current in the iplex and I bet that was a little different uh, animal climbing that ladder and uh, and 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 covering the the other side. Yeah, it was it was uh, something I was looking forward to. I mean, I you know I have a great relationship with with you know basically all the players on that team and and the coaches. Um, so it was it was you know different to to go back, of course, and um, you know to see a lot of familiar faces before the game um you know normally i was up in the broadcast booth i don't know around shortly after six and i kind of just hang out there while while people were filtering into the building but you know with with this trip i was able to kind of hang around um you know in the, in the concourse a lot longer than i normally would so you know being able to to see some some old faces and talk to people again you know former co-workers in the in the team store and you know billet coordinator i saw her uh, in the store as well and Team Chaplin, um, you know, some fans that I recognize, some parents of players that uh, were, were regulars at games, and um, just a lot of a lot of people that you talk to on a, a regular basis that I obviously hadn't seen for you know six, seven months, whatever it was, and uh, you know, getting the opportunity to to be back there and see those faces again was nice, and you know, after the game to being able to see some of the players again and. Um, you know, it was kind of funny. Ryland Gould was was the first star of the game, and, and he was he was one of the more uh, I guess approachable guys you could say on the team uh, over the last couple of years he was there just a really you know positive upbeat kid and uh, he's first star of the game so he comes out and does his his little lap there and then he goes back in the room and you know I mean 30 seconds later a minute later he pops out of the room again and he stands at the end of the bench and he yells up at me from across the rink and I look up at him and he kind of just points at me and I just had to shake my head after he picked up first star so you know nice to see some of these guys after the game and just get a chance to kind of catch up with them and, you know, went to the coach's office after the game as well and, uh, you know, was able to catch up with Devin Pratt, the head coach there. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun to go back. Um, you know, it would have been nice to, to get the, the win there in the shootout, but uh, entertaining game to, to say the least. And, uh, you know, it was nice to get the opportunity to, to head back there. Well, and that's a, you know, fun a fun story about, you know, that first star interaction and, you know, you, unique to that type of a building too. You're not you're not getting that at the at the Saddle Dome, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, those, those smaller intimate ranks can, can be pretty fun. You know, there's, there's games over the years and some of those smaller places where the crowds are, are large and, uh, it just gets so loud in there. Um, you know, compared to some other buildings you get to play in where, you know, whether it's the, the crowds can be the same size, but the building is just so, so much bigger and almost cavernous at times it feels. So, you know, those smaller ranks like Swift Current, Prince Albert, um, they can be pretty cool when, when the crowd gets rocking and I felt like there was a really good crowd that game and, they were treated to uh, a pretty entertaining uh, sixty-five plus minutes. I thought. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know one thing that 
you know the the road trip started out a little rough and and uh you know if if it wasn't already scheduled to to send nick out of there i think we would have had to to do an emergency intervention you know the way that because because once once you got you know uh, behind the 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 controls there it seemed like uh you know you steered the ship in the correct direction i mean you know i'm kind of that that whole trip i mean you know the they got a point i mean whatever it was it was fun game but you know the rest of those games i mean portland pretty much just handled their business you know medicine hat lethbridge i mean that was uh i mean what what was kind of what were your did they did they play up to kind of your expectations coming into that trip as far as you know how how uh how well they've been playing overall this year yeah i think the thing that really stood out to me was how many like high quality scoring chances they had every single game and I just kind of thought, like, if they could even convert on 25% more of those chances, then they'd be undefeated right now. Um, it seems like they get two or three breakaways every single game. Marcus Newen basically gets a breakaway every single game. And, you know, so many odd man rushes, shorthanded chances, you know, saw that with a couple of shorthanded goals against Vancouver. And um, it's just pretty incredible to to see how many chances they're able to create for themselves every single night. And, and you wonder how they even lost games this season if they, if they play like that regularly. So uh, pretty impressive to see, you know, just a team that's pretty well built top to bottom. I mean, obviously the, they roll all four lines. They, they play the sixth defense all game long. And, you know, obviously Jan Spunar started all five of those games that I was there for, and then he was rock solid. So um, it's a pretty legit team. And, you know, when you've got a team like that, you know, there's going to be thoughts on, what they can add to make themselves even better and then separate themselves from the pack with regards to looking toward a championship. So pretty impressive stuff. I thought I uh, was really impressed with, with the way that they just kind of win in every game and then played pretty consistently and were able to, to generate so much. And, and like you said, pretty handily one of those games uh, for the most part. You know, one thing, you know, I've, I've noticed, you know, in the last, um, this year so far, I mean, it, it, stereotypically, we talk all the time about Mike Johnson's teams having really active defense, you know, jumping up in the play, joining the rush. And it seems like, I mean, that's just kind of, you know, we've said that for 10 years or, or better. And But it, it seems like this year in particular, like every time you look down, you see, you know, 73 on the on the right wing just like pushing, you know, up, up ice in a hurry. And you see Carter Southern and, you, you know, that's one thing I – I've really, I think they've really doubled down on this year. Is, is that a, is that a, a thing that you noticed that you had to look down and, especially with them high numbers too, it kind of throws you off. But it seems like the the, the defensemen are just up in the in the rush like every time up ice. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the high numbers. That is something totally different that you don't see very often. And, and I have to admit that having players in the 90s and 70s was a little different, and it did take a little longer to to get used to than I think normally. But uh, you know, you mentioned a guy like Luca Cagnoni. I mean, I just looked at the stats. He had, I think, 13 points in the five games that I was there for. So, um, you know, when you've got a guy who's putting up points like that, it's pretty pretty impressive stuff. Um, a guy who can really just drive things uh, offensively from the blue line. You know, his point production is almost twice as high as it was last year, and that kind of put him on the map getting drafted by San Jose. So to see that year-over-year year, um, production is, is incredible from a, an offensive defenseman. And, uh, you know, he plays so much every single game. Um, you know, a guy like that's racking up the minutes and obviously out there every time in the power play, every chance they get to put him out there to try and create something. So um, having having guys like that is, uh, I think, is so key to, to be able to create offense from the blue line and not just have your 
your forwards trying to trying to do everything themselves. Um, when you've got a guy like that, it's like having an extra forward out there offensively, and um, he's no slouch defensively either. You know, a couple of great back checks and great stick checks to to break up some rushes the other way. So, you know, pretty special player back there in uh, in Luca Cagnoni on that Portland blue line. What what did you think about this group of of overage forwards that Portland has? I mean, it's pretty rare that you see. 320s in the same position and I I think it's pretty unique in that you know typically your your 20s are more uh, you know win faceoffs penalty kill leadership you know kind of third line kind of guys but this is this this trio of of, of scorers for Portland I, I feel like it's kind of you know I don't know if I've really seen that kind of a, a deployment of, of, of overage players. I mean, you, you, you see a lot more of the league, you know, than, uh, than those was to stay in, in, in one place. I mean, what, you know, what's kind of your take on that as far as how the, how the, how they've distributed those, those spots? Yeah. I mean, I think regardless of what position your, your 20 year olds are, you, you kind of need those guys to be impact players, right. And, and you're relying on them to not only be leaders, but to, to lead by example on the ice. And you look at a guy like Gabe Gloss, and I saw he was just named player of the week. I mean, he had nine points in two games. And over the five games that I was there for, he had 15 points in five games. So, you know, that's a guy who just drives offense. Um, he's out there winning faceoffs and he's creating offense. He made some great passes on the shorthanded goals that James Stefan scored in Vancouver. And, um, and you know, with Stefan, he had a big game in that last one against Vancouver. I mean, a guy who's a, a point and a half per game so far this season, um, and you know, I think Jack O'Brien plays a key role in that power play too, just kind of setting up on the flank and then creating offense. So, um, you know, to have all three of those guys producing offensively is so key for a team to have success. You know, if you've got a, a 20-year-old spot, you can only have three guys, and they have to be guys who are doing something, whether that's putting up points or whether it's, you know, playing exceptional defense or, or being a great goaltender. And for Portland to have three overage forwards, you know, they need those guys to produce. And uh, certainly seems like all three of those guys are doing that. So what, I mean, what do you think the, uh, I mean, we're, we're, I, guess, I guess we already touched on this, but I mean, where, where do you, where do you see this team going? I mean, as, as they're constructed, I mean, you know, if if they're not shooting themselves in the foot like they did, you know, to to start the road trip, I mean, kind of, kind of, what, what do you what do you think this the ceiling of this team might be? Well, they're built to win. I mean, there's no no question about that. You know, they've got one of the best goaltenders in the league. Uh, there there are times when it seems like they're just scoring at will and just totally dominating their opponents. And uh, you know, even if they have to play those tight games like we saw in Lethbridge like we thought we might with, you know, him and Harrison Menigan, Schwinar and Menigan going head-to-head. Um, they can win those tight games because they've got such a good goalie. So there's no question this team's built to win. Um, it's, it's hard not to look at them as, as one of the favorites, if not the favorite in the Western Conference, especially to, you know, to head to the league final and then potentially win a championship. So, um, you know, you have to imagine that Mike Johnson wants to really capitalize on that and make a move or two to, to shore up his team. And, you know, whether that's a huge blockbuster deal or a, or a smaller move to get some depth uh, up front or on, on D, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I think there's no question that this team is just going to, going to try and do some damage this year and, and try and uh, try and win another championship. So, uh, you know, and they, they haven't added much uh, to this to this roster there's only three players on this team that you know weren't drafted listed by portland but two of them came from the swiftkin organization and when josh davies came 
to town, there was definitely a lot of uh, a, a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement about you know what kind of player he could be in uh, in in this type of system. I mean, what what can you tell me about about Josh Davies? And and, and he's already a fan favorite here in Portland, but you know you you, you know the player better than uh, than the rest of us do. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me really. Um, he's he's a pretty a pretty special mix. Um, I remember his first preseason game with the Broncos. He had a hat trick and uh, one goal was on the power play. One goal was shorthanded, and uh, there were times when he would have the puck in the corner and a defenseman would try and knock it off him, and they would just bounce off of him because he was so strong, even though he was 15 years old. And nothing's changed since then to now. Um, he has game breaking speed. I think straight line, you know. Blue, you know, goal line to goal line. I don't know if there's many, if any, players in the WHL that are faster than him. Um, I don't know if there's anybody who's got a harder snapshot than he does. He's had that NHL level shot since he was 15 years old, and uh, you know, when he gets going, he can really knock guys over. Doesn't matter how big they are, he can go right through them. So he's got that special mix of, of speed, shot, um, strength, skill. Um, he's a, he's a pretty pretty impressive mix and you know to see him scoring like he did on that trip didn't surprise me you know the the one that really stands out is the goal in swift current 33 seconds in i mean when you can when you can be the goaltender from distance like that on a shot with no screen no nothing that's pretty impressive stuff and he's got that crazy shot that's gonna gonna get him some some professional contracts over the course of his hockey career i don't have any doubts about that so uh, he's a pretty impressive player and you know when he is able to put it all together which is tough to do it's tough to be consistent but when he's able to put all those skills together at one time in a game he's a guy who can be the biggest difference maker on the ice and we saw that on this road trip with the amount of points and the amount of goals he was racking up hat trick and cam loops two goals in medicine hat i mean six goals in the five games that i was there for um he's a he's a pretty impressive player and uh, he's sort of living up to his full potential i think in portland yeah and it seemed like you know the the guys on uh on the other clubs in that swing that you know no no davies well it seemed like uh they weren't real happy to to see him come back into town and it seemed like lots of uh, <laughs> lots of activity in, in the corners and, and, and in, in front of the net. Lots of lots of you know uh, rough stuff, which uh, seems to, to, to suit uh, suit him well. Well, and that's just it. I mean, that's the kind of player he is, right? I mean, like you said, sometimes there's guys who are good at that and they don't provide as much offensively. But he's a guy who can do that and also provide offensively, which is, is a pretty rare combination. Sort of that. You know, um, a perfect example of a bit of a power forward that that Josh Davies is, and yeah, I can't imagine. You know, Medicine Hat was too happy to see him back in town. He's he's made a a career of feasting on the Tigers, and then sure enough, picks up two goals against them when he's back. And you know, his old teammates uh, having a chance to have to battle against him instead of instead of with him. Uh, it's it's a totally different animal when when he's on the other side of the ice. So um, you know, I'm sure they're. They're glad they only have to see him once. Uh, those those Central Division teams, and uh, he's going to be terrorizing the the U.S. Division uh, for the rest of the year. Well, and you mentioned that that goal, you know, to first shift, you know, in the Iplex, and you know, I don't know if there's money on the board or if that's a thing that they that that the the kids at this level do, but I mean, you figure it would have been really easy to be squeezing the stick too hard and be you know too uh, too amped up to to. You know, and up running through the end boards or something, but uh, but that's not the way that went. No, and I think you know for him to to get that sort of monkey off his back immediately, and then kind of be able to relieve that pressure because you know he wanted to, 
you know, he wanted to score in that game and he wanted to to make a difference. And, and sure enough, he did, right? First shift, like you said, and, and it kind of just got that monkey off his back right away and allows him to focus on the game instead of, you know, as the game goes on, getting more tense and then squeezing the stick a little harder, wanting to, to be a difference maker. So, uh, you know, for him to get that right away was was pretty cool. And, and you know, like I said earlier, I just can't can't stress enough about Beating a goaltender like that from distance with no screen is is pretty impressive, and uh, he's got a he's got a heck of a shot. Well, I didn't <clears throat> I didn't get to see it live, but uh, but I I, I I heard your description of it. That was uh, that was it was pretty nice, very nice. So, what what uh, I don't know where I want to go with this. I mean, we talked about the the goalie a little bit. I mean, you know, you uh, you were fortunate enough to see the the goalie of the week, and then uh, carry over to a player of the week, but. Uh, you know what were some of the some of the things that Spoonar was doing that uh, you know while you were calling the games that kind of you know solidified that that uh, the goalie of the week honor. Yeah, I think he's just he's just calm. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not a huge goalie guy, so I don't know the you know the technical terms and that kind of stuff. But just from from what I saw, it doesn't really seem like he's ever scrambly. Um, it doesn't seem like he's ever really moving around a whole lot and then having those sort of unnecessary movements to, to track things through traffic or whatever it might be. And, you know, to just to be calm is so important, I think, as a goaltender, right? Because if you're moving around too much, you might find yourself out of position by, by a couple of inches, which is all some players need at this level to, to capitalize on a, on a, you know, bad position. So um, I think he's just, he's just calm. Um, I think it, it allows the team in front of him to play with so much confidence, knowing that, you know, if, if a team, has a decent scoring chance. There's a there's a pretty good chance that Schwinar is going to stop it, and they can go right back and, and try and score the other way. So it's uh, it's a combination of, of him playing well. I thought the defense blocked a ton of shots uh, over those games that I saw, and um, you know he just is so so rock solid back there that it gives the team so much confidence. And uh, it's hard, it's easy to see why he's uh, you know up there in the standings with with uh, statistics wise and save percentage and and goals against average and. To have a goaltender like that mixed along with with the offense that uh, the Winterhawks have, uh, you know, it, what's why it kind of solidifies in my mind that they're a, a legitimate championship contender. What was what was something that surprised you about this team that you know I'm I'm sure you did you know plenty of research going into it to see like how they were playing and you know what kind of what kind of caliber guys were on this roster, but what was what was something that kind of you didn't expect out of this Portland team that that you saw? Uh, I know he, he didn't get a point the last three games, but I was really impressed with Diego Bodazzoni, that first game of Medicine Hat. And, you know, there might have been a little extra excitement for him playing against the team that drafted him and whatnot. But, um, you know, the the goal, his second goal from that game was was a really impressive shot. Um, left face off circle. You know, goaltender's over there. There's not a lot of room, but he goes right upstairs over the shoulder and, and puts it in. So, you know, this is a guy who plays a ton of minutes as a, as a 17-year-old on this team and, and in a, his first draft-eligible season, um, you know, for him to sort of get that vote of confidence from from the coaching staff, it, it shows a lot of, you know, what type of player that he is. I mean, he's already surpassed his point total from last year in, in 40 fewer games. Um, so he's got a really bright future ahead of him. And, you know, to be able to have high-end young players like that on a team that's sort of going for a championship, I think is a little bit rare. You don't see... A lot of times those kind of younger players are either pushed down the lineup or they don't have those types of players because they've traded 
draft picks away to you know to get some older guys to really go for it but to be able to have that mix of high-end young guys to go along with your older players who are producing is is a great mix to have you know reminds me of the Prince Albert Raiders when they won the championship and they had Ozzy Weisblatt and uh, Caden Gooley at 16 years old playing you know fairly important minutes over the course of that playoff run so to see a guy like Buttazzoni have the success that he's had as a 17 year old on one of the best teams in the country I think uh, is, is pretty impressive for him and maybe a guy that I, I didn't realize how how talented he was until I got a chance to see him well and that's and that ties into that you know they the way they kind of mix and match on the the top three lines to where you know, they, they they spread they spread the wealth out, and so you know they're all going to get opportunity, and the fourth line too. But they're but they're all going to get opportunities to where, yeah, you're not you know buried down the, the the lineup and and you know struggling for ice time. That you know it's 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 if you have the opportunity, then then you can you can capitalize on it, and that's that's certainly uh, that's certainly what Budazoni is doing. But but yeah, I mean, it's if if you had to to say what what's their top line, I mean, it, it'd be sometimes it's it's hard to even say, you know, pick one over the other, right? Yeah, and that's so important. I mean, it's you you can win with you know three lines. I mean, I think Swift Current showed that in 2018. They kind of really hammered on the top nine, and then the bottom three uh, forwards didn't really play a whole lot. And even their defense, they kind of had their top four, and then the, the last pairing didn't get a whole lot of ice time. Um, so you can win that way, but you know when you're able to confidently put out, you know your all four lines, um, it, it just helps out so much because it takes a lot of pressure off of the top line. It takes pressure off the second line to know that they can have an extra extra break on the bench. They can they can take an extra breather and not have to double shift in in tight games as much as other teams might have to. So it it just pays dividends throughout the course of the season. You know, it keeps guys a little fresher come playoff time and they're more ready and more relaxed and, and rested for what they hope is a long playoff run. So um, to be able to roll those four lines and then get all those guys out there and, and rest their top guys when need be, when other teams might not be able to in the same situation, uh, that's something that I think is really going to pay off uh, when it comes to the playoffs. So... Probably, yeah. I, I, I do appreciate you giving us some of your time. I should probably, you know, start putting a a bow on this one. Is there, uh, is there other any other thoughts you had about this uh, this Portland team and that road trip that that we haven't touched on? Oh, I just think it's a really impressive team. Um, it, it's crazy to think that they they don't have a home game for God, what is it? Got to be pushing like thirty days in between home games for them. Um, you know, it's it's crazy to think they knocked out a quarter of their their road schedule in one in one go there um you know so they have a chance now to play a ton of home games i think it was nine of their next 11 games are at home so you know i would just certainly tell fans down in portland to, to go check that team out um i think there's no question they're gonna they're gonna have a long successful season you know they're gonna they're gonna make some moves i think to, to shore things up and really solidify themselves as as the number one contender in the league so uh, you know, I, I love supporting junior hockey. Um, I have so much fun working in it and then getting to see it up close and personal and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I can't stress enough how much I think fans in, in Portland should go check that team out, you know, especially with so many home games coming up here. Um, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch that team on home ice. And that rink down there in Portland's great. You know, I've only had one chance to, to go there as a broadcaster last season. And, and even though it was maybe half empty, uh, I still thought it was it was a great crowd there uh, at the one game against Swift Current. So, um, you know, I just recommend fans go check it out. It's going to be a great team, and they're going to have a long playoff run. So, 
uh, go support them as, as as much as you can. Well, I mean, you just keep uh, keep your phone handy. If they if they lose a couple games, we're going to bench Nick again. So. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'll, I'll fly down and uh, pinch it for for a couple of games if necessary. Here. All right. Well, I appreciate appreciate your time, Craig, and uh, best of luck moving forward. Thanks so much, Chad. Appreciate it.